0: Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing Gospel centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. Good morning, everybody. Hey, uh, my name's Terry. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm really glad um, for us to be here today, continuing in our journey through the book of Romans. You can almost call it the gospel of Romans, can't you? It's not about like the life of Jesus, but man, Paul has been laying out the gospel for us, the good news about Jesus. And you may have noticed, uh, well, I guess this is the only second sermon in this section of chapters 9, 10, and 11, but they're kind of meant to be read as a section. Remember that this is a letter that Paul has written, but we are in here kind of breaking it down over several weeks, so it may seem a little clunky uh, at times, but I think it's really good that we're digging in um, with each chapter each week because there's some rich spiritual food in here if we don't miss it. I want to um, give you a quote by a famous guy, Napoleon Bonaparte. You may may have heard of him. He made a statement that actually ended up in the United States Army. Uh, It's kind of an axiom for them: is that an order that can be misunderstood will be misunderstood. Right? An order that can be misunderstood will be misunderstood. And there's there's certainly a ring of truth to that, isn't there? If you've ever uh, been a coach, or a parent, or a boss. You certainly know that an order that can be misunderstood will be misunderstood. And even more, if you have been on the receiving end of orders, we all have, right? If we've been on a team or if we've had a boss or a parent or a superior in some sort of way, we know it's pretty easy to uh, misunderstand what they are communicating. As we've been journeying through the book of Romans, we've been seeing the Apostle Paul's broken heart about his fellow Jews having rejected their Messiah. And God has then taken the gospel via Paul and others to non-Jewish people uh, all around the world, and um, that all Jew and non-Jew who receive Jesus by grace through faith can have their sins forgiven. They can be made right with God, and they are indeed forgiven and reconciled to God through Jesus. That's the good news. That's the gospel. But I've titled our time together today, Missing Out on Jesus. If you have a weekly, I would encourage you to, to follow along, and uh, because what we'll see is that Paul's heart is broken, that his people are missing out on Jesus specifically because they misunderstood the good news about Jesus. There's going to be lots of components to that, but I want us to, to pay attention here today because, again, although Paul is writing this in the first century context to the Jews, I think there is some ready application for us. It very much applies to us and people in our lives, people in our spheres of influence, uh, friends, family members, co-workers, that sort of thing. People all around us, maybe you realize, misunderstand the good news about Jesus. They don't quite get it, um, and then thus they reject Jesus because they misunderstand the good news about Him. So if you're here today or if you're watching or listening online, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I would just encourage you to kind of Kind of lean in and be open minded um, and and think about some of the ways that it's possible, at least, that maybe you've misunderstood the good news about Jesus. I would encourage you to evaluate it afresh this morning. And if you are a follower of Jesus, I would again encourage you to lean in here because you have uh, people in your life who don't know Jesus. Do, Do we all have people in our lives that don't know Jesus? Well, hopefully. Um, you'll be able to see this morning maybe some of the reasons why they have rejected Jesus and b- by misunderstanding the good news about Jesus. They're still out of relationship with God. They still don't know Him. They're missing out on what they were truly created for. They're missing out on life as it was meant to be lived with the Creator. And so hopefully that's a motivation for us this morning to maybe understand a little bit more of where they are. Um, so I hope that you and, and, and I, like Paul, have a, a broken heart when we think about what people are missing out on. If you know Jesus, if you've been walking with Jesus, I hope you know you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and your heart breaks for people who, who don't know what you know and who aren't experiencing what you are experiencing. So with, with our hearts and minds kind of tuned in, let's move to our text. Romans chapter 10 is where we are. And we're just going to walk, you know, kind of like we do. We're going to walk through the text this morning, Romans chapter 10. Let's start there and just read the first four verses together. Again, we see the broken heart of Paul right from the beginning. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So let's, let's stop there for now. So again, Paul is suggesting, I believe, that there's a misunderstanding about the gospel of Jesus that leads to a rejection of of Jesus. And so I just want us to look this morning at some of the reasons that Paul lists that his fellow uh, Hebrews missed out on the gospel and therefore missed out on Jesus. And maybe as we walk through here, you can see in your weekly, it all, all your uh, sub points begin with they. You notice they, they did this, they did that. Well, I could have easily have written we, right? Because these things will apply to us today. Um, we'll take a look at the reasons for their misunderstanding. Now, you would think that, man, the Israelites as a nation would have been eagerly expecting and awaiting the arrival of their Messiah, right? If you're a Bible student, you know that for generation after generation after generation, um, they had known the Old Testament prophecies about the coming Messiah. They had practiced the law, which Paul taught us in Galatians uh, was supposed to be a schoolmaster a teacher teaching them about their need for the coming Messiah. And again, this was for hundreds of years. God has uh, had prepared them as His people, right? We talked about this last week, as His people through whom the Messiah would come. Jesus would come into the world that He made through these people, but as we talked about in our Candler MC this past, this past week, Jesus went to His own people first, the Jews, and His own people did not receive him again this is john chapter 1 he says he came to his own people and his own people did not receive him well how could the these elect people chosen people of god miss out on the savior what are some reasons for their misunderstanding and again pay attention here because i think there's very commonly a large percentage of people in our own lives who are missing out on jesus for the very same reasons they're misunderstanding of the gospel. Take a look at first one. They did not think that they needed to be saved. One reason that they missed out on Jesus is because they misunderstood the gospel. They misunderstood the gospel because they did not think that they needed to be saved. You know, as we've been going through Romans so far, we saw that the Israelites kind of thought that they were saved because they were Jews. Right? We're, 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 the chosen peop- we're the chosen people of God. And, um, you know, what they missed out on is that being the chosen people was not the means of salvation. Being a chosen person as an Israelite was not the means of salvation. It was that God had chosen them to, uh, through whom he would bring the means of salvation, Jesus, right? Um, so being a Jew didn't save anyone. So they thought they were saved just by being a Jew. In other words, hear this. They didn't think that they needed to be saved, but that other people did. Hear it again. They thought other people needed the gospel, but not them. They didn't need like an atonement for their sin. They had the whole sacrificial system, and they were chosen people, and, and that sort of thing. They thought others needed to be saved, but not themselves. So for us today, it's much easier. Do you realize it's much easier for us to see other people's Need for the Savior than our own? Right. Isn't it easier? Well, let's, let's make it more plain. Isn't it easier for us to notice other people's sin more than our own? Right. Okay. So then we see other people's need for the Savior more readily than we see our own. You know, we might think we're okay because we're comparing ourselves to other people. Right. The Bible tells us that every person will profess their own righteousness. Right? But it also tells us that there is none righteous. Right, And so we may look out and say, I'm not as bad as these people, therefore I don't need the Savior. They need the Savior. No, 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 no. Let's not, let's not do that. Let's not look at our rule keeping and think that we don't need the Savior. We need the Savior. There is none righteous. And salvation doesn't come vicariously by having a Christian background. Right, These Jews thought we're the chosen people. This is our lineage uh, we're godly, godly people. The truth is, without Jesus, there are no godly people. <laughs> right? We all need the Savior. We all need Jesus. Well, the next thing that Paul lists as a reason for their rejection of Jesus is in verse 2. He says, For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. If you're following along in your weekly, that is that they were sincere, but they were mistaken. The only way to put that is you can be sincere, but sincerely wrong. That's a harsh way to put it. But you can be sincere, but you can be mistaken. So they had great zeal or excitement or fervor or passion about God, but it was not in accordance with the truth about God, right? Full of zeal, but lacking knowledge. And This was the nation through whom the Lord had chosen to reveal himself, right? From them, all peoples of the earth, um, God would hear, or God would send the message of the Messiah to, and but from among all the peoples of the earth, God had said, "This is my special portion of people. Right, these are the the chosen people. These are my inheritance." And He had given them the law as a reflection of His heart. He had sent them uh, prophets. Prophet after prophet after prophet, God had given these people His Word. At the time of Paul's writing, you realize they've made some progress. If you're an Old Testament student, you realize that they had all kinds of false gods that they would make, and they'd go after the gods of uh, the nations and that sort of thing. Well, at this point in Paul's writing, they'd actually stopped worshiping those gods. So they had zeal for God, They right? trying to worship the one true God, but it was not in keeping with the truth. Uh, we, we realize that they try to improve on God's law and they would add their own traditions to God's law and make their traditions, right their little their little additions of what they thought were right and wrong add them to God's law and make them equal with God's law. Uh, elsewhere Paul said that this was even true of himself at one time. So they had zeal for God, but it was not in accordance with God because it was not in keeping with true knowledge about God. You may, you may uh, d- describe it as uh, there was a lot of heat, but not a lot of light. right? Really really fervent, really zealous, but not in keeping with truth. And again, let's bring it to our context. You, you may know religious people. right? If you, grew, if you grew up in the South, you know religious people. Right? Um, they might even profess to be followers of Jesus, but looking at their lives, um, maybe looking at your own life, you look to your own ability as of keeping the law, of being a really good person. You know, a lot of times, if if people if you ask people, would they go to heaven? They say yes, and you ask them why, and they said, "I'm a pretty good person." That's misunderstanding the gospel, and they miss out. On Jesus, they're looking to their own ability to keep the law as their means of righteousness, or they might even add a bunch of requirements to God's law. You know, certain areas where the Bible gives freedom. You know, it doesn't prohibit this thing or doesn't really necessarily directly command this other thing. There's kind of freedom in there, but what uh, Pharisees like to do, uh, law lawkeeper. Type people, law keeper for righteousness. Type people like to do is add things to God's law that they already do. Therefore, if you don't do them, they can condemn you and still be innocent. <laughs> right? You see how that works. That, we tend to do that, right? That's like human nature. We we tend to do that sort of thing, um, and so we we can remain innocent because we're already we make the laws that we already keep. Right? We add those. To, to God's law. But what again, what people forget is back in chapter 3, Paul wrote in this letter, he said, uh, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his God's sight. Now, let's be very clear. So are you a good person? May, you might be, like judging horizontally, but we're not judged horizontally, are we? God judges us vertically according to His standard, which is Himself, which is righteous and perfect and holy and just and good, and we don't measure up. Therefore, Paul said back in chapter 3, for by the works of the law, no, even though the law is a reflection of the heart of God, no human being will be justified in His sight because we cannot keep God's law perfectly. So you have some religious people on one side of the thing with zeal without knowledge, but also... You have people who are spiritual but not religious. right? This is Asheville, right? We, we know there's lots of religious people and there's lots of people who are spiritual but not religious, is how they would describe themselves. They would also exhibit great zeal for their spirituality. Sometimes could be evangelists for their spirituality. But just like the religious people, the spiritually but not the spiritual but not religious people have a lot of zeal, but it's not in keeping with the truth about God. You guys realize that um, you you can be really sincere, but sincerity does not make a false thing true, right? Um, So therefore, zeal um, that's not according to knowledge leaves us short, leaves us missing Jesus. And Paul says um, back in Romans chapter 1, we're going to refer to this section a couple times today, that these these religious people and these spiritual but not religious people actually do have access to the truth about God. Remember Romans chapter one, he says, For what can be known about God is plain to them. Why? Because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they what? Knew God. They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, and they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So you see that you can miss out on Jesus because, in your zeal for God, it's not according to the truth. Well, the next reason, if, if you're following along, is one that I think most often, not always, Hear me clearly say that, not always, but most often in my personal experience and in dealing with other people, something that is at the heart of worshiping God in sincerity but not according to knowledge is found in verse 3 here in chapter 10. Paul says, For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, right that is their own righteousness, they did not submit to God's righteousness Okay, so we see that they were proud and self-righteous. Now, we talked about the first part of this a little bit, that they sought to establish their own righteousness, right? That's the human nature. That's what we do. And it says that the second part of that verse, they did not submit to God's righteousness. You see the willful component in there. We miss Jesus because we misunderstand the gospel. We miss the gospel because we are proud and self righteous. I think this is there's there's almost always this component in in there from from my experience. I, I read one pastor who said that Israel was ignorant of God's righteousness not because they had never been told, but because they refused to learn. Right? They refuse to learn. Have you ever um, known something to be true but not wanted it to be true? Right, um, especially if if that's something, if it were true, you'd have to change your life according to that truth. And all of a sudden, uh, man, based on that truth, may, maybe I don't want that to be true. <laughs> right? Uh, we try to, we tend to work backwards. Right? We we find something we want to be true, and then we adjust our lives to that. But if something is true, we reject it as false because we don't want to change our lives. You hear that? You see? Have you seen that? In yourself. Uh, sometimes we wonder why some, and I put this out on Facebook, uh, sometimes we wonder why some people receive the Lord and others don't. It's a, it's a vexing question, isn't it? Because we want everybody to know Jesus. I, I'm sure there are lots of factors in that. Uh, in fact, I know that there are lots of factors in that, but, but to me, the Bible seems really clear at least on one consistent component. I'm just going to read through some scriptures, and I want you to notice a pattern. Right, pay, pay attention and see if you can see this consistent reason that some people receive Jesus and other people don't. Again, Romans one, Paul said that they knew God, but they did not worship Him as God. Right, there's the willful component. John chapter three verse nineteen says, "And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light." because their works were evil. 1 Peter 5 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. James 4 says that, again, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble, and he continues, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. A few verses later in James chapter 4, he says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. And Proverbs chapter 3 says, Toward the scorners, he, God, is scornful, but to the humble, he gives favor. Audience participation. What's the common thread? Humility. Humility. The common thread in not receiving God's grace through Jesus is lack of humility. We must come to Jesus. This is not popular teaching in our day, but listen, we must come to Jesus on our knee. On our knees. He is the Lord. It takes a tremendous amount of humility. Um, You know, the Old Testament refers to the Jews as a stiff-necked people. Um. That is that they were prideful, stubborn. It's like, a, you ever try to lead a mule around who doesn't want to be led around? We don't want to have farmers anymore. Have you, seen, have you seen somebody try to lead a, a mule around that doesn't want to be led around? Have you ever tried to take a dog on a walk that does not want to go on the walk, right? You're like, he's, he's stiff-necked, right? Nope, not. stiff-necked people. Spoiler alert, it's not just the Jews. We humans are stiff-necked people, aren't we? Stiff-necked people. These The Jews here were, were the chosen people, the special people. And boy, did they act like it. They sure act like it. They knew it, right? In other words, it's quite often that we can think more highly of ourselves and our opinions about God than we actually think about God's opinions of God and what God says about us, right? We can think more highly of ourselves. We can lack humility. One pastor I read cited a great minister of days gone by, Robert Murray McShane. And McShane was passing out gospel tracts. You guys uh, here may not know what those are, but they're (laughs) they're little booklets that share the good news about Jesus. And McShane was passing those out one day and he handed a tract to a well-dressed lady and she gave him like this haughty look and she said, sir, you must not know who I am. And McShane is, was known to be really soft-spoken and so I'm sure he said it in a kind voice, but he said, madam, there's coming a day of judgment and on that day, it will not make any difference who you are. Right? I think he was right. So they then, and we today, often misunderstand the gospel and thus miss out on Jesus because we are, we're prideful. We will not. Usually this is subconscious. We will not humble ourselves. Well, next we see that they misunderstand the gospel because they misunderstood the law. Let's pick up again in verse 4 in chapter 10 of Romans here. We'll go through 13. It says, For Christ is the end of the law for the righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because, Paul makes it more clear here, verse 9, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's stop there for now. So, not only did they add to and twist the law that they'd been given, they also misunderstood why the law had been given in the first place. Right? As we quoted Galatians earlier from Paul, the law was supposed to be a schoolmaster pointing them to Jesus. It was supposed to be like this giant arrow to the Messiah, right? That was was the point. Their need for the Savior. The, the keeping the law was not, it was never meant to be, nor could it be the Savior. The law could not be the means of salvation. So it says that Christ is the end of the law in this sense. It pointed us to our need for forgiveness. It pointed us to our need for the Savior, which was only accomplished by Jesus living the perfect life, keeping the law perfectly that we could not do. It was accomplished by Jesus' death on our behalf, Right, taking on our penalty for being lawbreakers. Jesus took that upon himself. Jesus resurrected from the dead, showing that the Father had approved his atonement on our behalf, payment accepted. right? So then it says, for those of us who place our trust in Jesus, the law has done its job. Mission accomplished that feeling of, of, of guilt that our society wants to wash out of you and make you feel like you shouldn't feel, that, that, that sense of sin before a holy God is a great thing if it's in love because it is a big arrow that points you to Jesus right, and sets you free. Therefore, we're, the, the law has done its job, and, and Paul wrote it back in Romans, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. The law isn't meant to condemn you. The law is meant to show you your guilt, so that you return to Jesus and be set free. That's that was the whole point. But the Jews missed that. They missed it. And here in this section of, of uh, Romans chapter ten, Paul quoted an Old Testament section to prove to his leaders, or his, I'm sorry, his readers, that they did not understand the law. He started. He quotes a lot. We won't walk through there. But he started with Leviticus, which is the like kind of the book of the law. Uh, chapter 18, he says, if if they obeyed the law, then you would live. Now, we, as we've seen with Romans, Paul kind of uh, lays out rhetorical questions. Well, he says, well, you may, you may say this in response. Well, let me tell you this. Or you may ask this question. Well, here's the answer to your question. Paul keeps going. And here, it's like they say, they kind of argue, but we did obey the law, Paul. We're, we're law keepers. We're good people, right? We we are we are law keepers, but Paul says you may even have kept the law outwardly. You might put on a good front. You might might do all the right things and 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 keep from doing the wrong things, but even though you've out, uh, obeyed the law outwardly, Paul says you've missed it inwardly. You've not obeyed the law with your heart. And this is why Jesus would say of the religious leaders of his day in Matthew 23. You don't have to turn there, but it'll be on the screen for you. Listen to this. This is a harsh word from Jesus. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. You know, this whole section in Romans, in Jesus is laying side by side trying to be righteous by keeping the law versus actually being accounted as righteous because Jesus kept the law and his righteousness is given to you. This is a very stark contrast that fake righteousness versus real righteousness. Now, sadly, we construct, we talked about, we construct our own moralities. We will even construct our own spiritualities to make up our own rules So that we keep them. But the truth is that not only do we not have the right to make our own rules, the truth is we don't keep our own rules either. Do we? We don't keep our own rules either. We simply cannot make ourselves righteous by our own means, no matter how hard we try. Well, maybe you've seen in this list of things of, of reasons that people misunderstood the gospel and thus missed out on Jesus. Maybe. You've recognized that it wasn't just 2,000 years ago, that it's today, and it wasn't just them, it's also us. Maybe you've seen some commonalities there. Maybe as we've gone through there, you've recognized some of those errors in your own heart and mind, and maybe some of those errors in the hearts and minds of other people. Um, Missing out on Jesus. This, again, as we began, should truly truly break our hearts because people are sincere. I believe most people are sincere. They're missing out on Jesus. Uh, well, I want us to to get to some amazing news. Okay, uh, in your in your weekly, there is a solution. Paul is a solution in Romans chapter ten, beginning in verse fourteen through seventeen. He says, "How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? Or how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? Or how?" So the only way unbelieving Jews and unbelieving people anywhere else of any other ethnicity can be saved from our sins is from calling on the Lord Jesus. But before anyone will call on the Lord Jesus, they must believe that He is the Lord Jesus, right, before they can call on Him. And um, for the Jew, this meant that they must believe that Jesus is their Messiah. He was the suffering servant talked about in Isaiah um, who who they would later learn would die on their behalf so that they can be reconciled to God and be risen from the dead, demonstrating his deity. Verse 17 says that it is by hearing this news about Jesus that they can have faith. So then the solution to Israel's rejection is in hearing the true word of the gospel and believing in Jesus. They must hear. That meant that someone must tell them. Paul here is obviously speaking about himself. He's writing this letter to tell them. He's brokenhearted about them. He loves them enough to plead with them. Paul is, is willing to engage his fellow uh, Jews who don't believe. But again, you probably already see this has direct application to us, doesn't it? People cannot be saved unless they call on the Lord Jesus. If you're a reached life person, you, you would agree to that. But they cannot call on Jesus to believe and trust in him, or they won't call on him if, unless they've come to believe in him. And belief, faith, trust comes by hearing. So they must hear the gospel. You know, the old saying says that uh, preach, to preach the gospel if necessary, use words. You cannot preach the gospel without words. You can live out the gospel, but you must use words to preach the gospel. Because how will they hear unless someone preaches? A messenger must go. Well, is the truth sinking in for us here this morning? We must go. We must go to them. We must go to people who are misunderstanding the gospel and are missing out on Jesus. Let me let me make a little insertion here. Uh, and I know, I, I, I know, you guys know that I know it's 1130. Okay, so so hang in, hang in with me. We're good, we're good. But I, I want to I talk about something important here. Had the Jews been sent to messenger? Nancy says, yes. I agree, Nancy. I agree. Every prophet of God throughout history had came to the Jews, right? All of them. Jesus, the Messiah himself, God in the flesh, was sent to his own people. Again, John chapter one. And yet, we still see um, God's mercy in sending Jesus' apostles, even after Jesus, to the Jews, including Paul here, who is weeping, pleading with his fellow Jews. And the reason I want to point this out is because there's a common skeptical objection that I've heard about this passage that I want to stop to address. And it's interesting Paul stops to address it as well. And it's one that we as disciples of Jesus might even um, wrestle with in our own hearts. And that is, if Jesus is the only way, and people must call on Jesus, but in order to do so, they must believe in him. And in order to believe on him, they must hear the gospel. What about those who have never heard about Jesus? Isn't that's a real question? What about those who have never heard? Well, interestingly, Paul references an Old Testament passage here to address this very question. There is another messenger that God sent the Jews that I think addresses it, and Paul references in verse 18. Paul says, But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, he says, for, and then he quotes the Old Testament, their voice has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. If you're an Old Testament scholar or student, you may recognize that is from Psalm 19. Paul is quoting Psalm 19. Let's take a look at Psalm 19, 1 through 4. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. And here's where he referenced in Romans. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun. Paul is speaking here of what theologians call general revelation. Through what God has made, everyone has heard. I won't read it again, but Romans chapter 1, you'll see it come up on the screen, references that through what God has made, everyone has heard to such a degree that... We're all without excuse. That's heavy stuff. The heavens themselves, the the, the universe declares the glory of God. It tells us about the person of God to everyone. Everyone has heard. So a very real question, a crucial question to ask when we ask, what about those who have never heard about Jesus, is to also ask, what have they done with what they have heard? Stop and think about that for just a second. It's possible that people have already rejected Jesus because they've rejected the God of creation, right? It's very possible that people have already rejected Jesus before they've heard about Jesus because they've rejected God who Jesus is, right? So it breaks my heart. Hopefully it breaks your heart. and We'll see it again at the end here. Does it break our heart? Let me put a finer point on it. Does it break your heart enough to do something about it? That people are perishing without the Creator? Will we do something about it? Will we equip ourselves to, to, to participate in the engagement and then actually engage with people in our lives? Get out of our comfort zones. You know, speaking of comfort zones, uh, one of our own, Scotty Parks, just out of the blue, Tuesday morning, sent me a, a note from a Bible commentator who's reading on a different passage, and it, I don't know why. Maybe he was trying to convict me. If so, he did. Uh, but it says this: If you were willing, or if you were given a thousand dollars every time you witness to someone, would you be more zealous in your evangelism? If so, you're serving money rather than God man, that cut me to my heart. Am I willing to do what it takes for people to know what Jesus has done for them? Listen, do you realize that God did everything necessary for you to know him? He did everything necessary for people to be reconciled. And that's why Paul says, continues in verse 20, then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. God says, I have shown myself, to those who did not ask for me. You guys realize that God is the initiator of your salvation? We weren't seeking God. God sought us. We respond to the Lord. God is the missionary. The amazing thing is, he lets you participate with him and be the missionary also. Hands and feet, hands and feet. So, so for non-Christian here today, you are hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are hearing what Jesus has done for you. So we can talk about what about those who have never heard. And we, we looked at that. They actually have heard. And I truly believe that God being God, God having the heart that he does, if someone responds to his general revelation, he will give them the special revelation of Jesus. The amazing thing is we get to be that giver of the special revelation. So If you're here today, you have heard, what will you do with what you have heard? Church, of course, God can use whatever means he wants. We hear of people in other nations uh, seeing Jesus in visions and that sort of thing, but God's ordinary means is you. Do you realize you are God's means? You are the way God wants to tell people about Jesus. And then Paul says, how beautiful are the feet of those. Who preached the good news. Verse 21 says, but of Israel, he says, all day long I've held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Is that your heart? The God of the universe is holding out his hands all day long to a disobedient and contrary people. Do you know people who reject the Lord? Maybe shove it in your face. They're contrary. They're disobedient. Is your heart that you're holding out your hands to them? Do you know that God can use our feet to be beautiful, our arms to reach out to those who don't know Jesus just as much as he did the Apostle Paul's? Do you believe that? It's true, because God is God, right? I had said, Scott, I'm going to walk really slowly over here. (laughs) I had said that God has done everything necessary for us to be reconciled to him. And every week, we get to remember that. Everything necessary Jesus has done, he paid the price. His blood was spilled, his body was broken, his life was given so that none of us ever have to be separated from the Lord who made us. Our sin was a great barrier we could never cross. Jesus is the bridge. Jesus paid the price. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, I would invite you here in just a second to come take this cup, take it back to your seat, and do what Jesus said as often as you do this. Do it in remembrance of Him. right? If you're not a follower of Jesus, we would love to talk more with you about how you can know Him, how you can experience life as it's meant to be lived. Church, if you'd like to know more about how can I get out of my comfort zone, how can I be equipped, how can I have the heart of God for people to know Him, we'd love to talk with you more about that as well. Spend some time in prayer. When you're ready, come take the Lord's Supper. Remember Jesus.